0: everyone. Welcome to Brainsplein. I'm your host, Caitlin Merrick, and joining me today is Tom Shapiro, who is the author of the book, Rethink Your Marketing, as well as the founder and CEO of StrataBeat. Super excited to have you here today, Mr. Shapiro. So welcome.
1: Thanks, Caitlin. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So why don't we just start? Um, I'll have you share a little bit about yourself, you know, maybe how you got into the work that you do and what specifically sparked your interest in using neuroscience and what you do.
1: Sure, sure. So uh, I got into marketing uh, way back in the day before Google even existed. <laughs> so, so I've been doing uh, digital marketing quite a long time. Uh, and at my previous agency, uh, which was a, a, a search firm. So, so SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, you know, I joined them when uh, they only had 85 employees. I was the 85th. And, uh, and then within five years, I was like a rocket ship. Uh, we grew the thing to over 700 employees. Uh, so I uh, worked with a lot of large marketing organizations like AT&T and Hewlett-Packard and Procter & Gamble United Healthcare, um, uh, in helping them to grow their, their uh, digital business. And so um, a lot of experience there. And then uh, after that, I uh, decided to launch my own agency where we could go beyond just search and we could explore brand strategy, we could explore web design, uh, we could explore different areas of digital marketing, whether it's SEO or content marketing or conversion optimization or behavioral analytics. And, um, and along the way, became fascinated with neuroscience and behavioral science. Uh, that was all sparked when I started reading about uh, the neuroscientist Antonio Damasio and some of his really, really interesting studies into how emotion plays into decision-making. Um, and so we can talk about that today if you'd like. Um, but anyway, that, that was kind of the spark that uh, really launched me into doing a deep dive into neuroscience and behavioral science. And, and now our whole agency is, is completely obsessed with it. And we apply it to for, for every single client, uh, no matter what we're doing, whether it's brand strategy, whether it's logo design, whether it's um, you know, SEO or other digital marketing, we're always applying, uh, you know, brain science to whatever we're doing.
0: Absolutely, that's awesome. And I would I would love to jump right into that if you don't mind, if you wanna talk a little bit about, you know, how you read into emotions and how that, you know, subconsciously and consciously sometimes guides our decision making.
1: Sure, sure. So for a little context, we are a B2B marketing agency, right? So we only deal with businesses selling to other businesses or at least that, you know, that's, that's like 99% of our business. Um, and so oftentimes what you'll find in the B2B world is uh, for whatever reason, people don't think that emotions play into decision making, right? They think you just have to show technical specifications and prove that your technology is the best or your product is the best. And that the, you know, the, the audience, the prospective customer will make the right decision. And it couldn't be further from the (laughs) reality, right? I mean, we're all people, whether we're buying from businesses, whether we're buying an iPhone at the the Apple store, it doesn't matter. We're just people and our brains operate in similar ways. And so um, the neuroscientist Antonio Damasio ran some really, really interesting studies where he was looking at people who had damage to the part of the brain that triggers emotions. So in other words, these people couldn't feel angry, they couldn't feel happy, they couldn't get excited, they they wouldn't feel frustrated, they just didn't feel emotions. Outside of that, if you ran into them in the street or at the supermarket, you would never know that there was anything wrong with them, right? You'd have a conversation with them, you'd feel like they're perfectly normal, but really they couldn't feel anything. And what Damasio found was that these people could not make decisions. They found it extremely, extremely difficult to make any decision, especially a purchase decision. They couldn't even make the decision of, what should I have for dinner tonight? Should I have salmon or should I have meatloaf? <laughs> because they would endlessly waffle back and forth, like, well, salmon is really healthy, it's really good, but, but meatloaf, it tastes so good. And they would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because they, they couldn't feel strongly enough about one option versus another. And so it's the same with your website visitors. It's the same if you're at a trade show and you have people coming up to your booth. It's the same if you're talking to someone on the phone. It's the same if you're in a pitch meeting in a conference room, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you are not evoking an emotional response out of your audience, you're making it physically difficult for them to make a decision to work with you, to hire you, to sign up for your demo, to sign up for your webinar, to register for anything that, that, that you know, you're asking them to fill out a form for, you're making it physically difficult for them to do that. And, and that's what a lot of business to you business, know, B2B marketers don't understand is just how critical emotional marketing is to what they're doing and to, to persuading people to take action.
0: That's very true. And it's making me think about how, you know, this whole COVID situation is really like you're seeing an emphasis on advertising and marketing with empathy. And to me, it's so interesting, because it's like, I don't know, I feel like that's something you should be doing, like you're saying using emotion, not necessarily using that sounds bad, but like understanding emotions and how they drive decisions like that should be applied when you're marketing. So now that like there's such an emphasis on it, I'm kind of wondering if this could be like a gateway into understanding that using that stuff is important and it should be used more often than just during a pandemic where, you know, now we have to really tell the people we're there for them. But, you know, just understanding that emotion, like you said, drives every decision and it should be applied more broadly.
1: It, It should. And we are seeing more and more companies understanding that, yeah, you have to apply empathy your marketing which they should have been doing all along right <laughs> that, that's the crazy thing is like okay it took a pandemic for certain people to realize this but i mean it's, it's you know it's just common sense you 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 need empathy in your marketing um if you want to be more effective and uh yeah we're, we're still uh, you know surprised at the number of organizations out there that you know, if you meet them at a bar or, or, you know, on the street, you know, they're fantastic people. They're very engaging, really, you know, fun to talk with yet when you put them into a B2B marketing situation, they kind of lose their personality. <laughs> you know? they, they just feel like they have to be like a dictionary or an encyclopedia and just be very factual. And that's, that's fine, but you're not going to move people to action that way. Um, I mean, they're, they're just so, I mean, look at any of the most iconic brands in, you know, in, in over the past, what, 50, 100 years. And every single time it's because of their focus on uh, emotions and their their uh, focus on connecting at a subconscious level and their, their focus on, you know, connecting on a level that has nothing to do with explaining their product, explaining their technology, explaining how many offices they have. I mean, look at look at Nike, you know, Just Do It, right? And and that launched an entire empire, right? Does Just Do It explain their technical specs and, and how they're technically superior? No, it tells you nothing about their product. In fact, it doesn't even tell you what they're selling, right? And, and this is what people need to understand is That is the most effective marketing because it's just connecting on a subconscious emotional level, right? And actually it's connecting on a subconscious level 100%. They're not explaining anything about why they're superior. They're just connecting with you more deeply. And that's why it's more powerful. And we could go through case after case after case after case. And it's always that way. The most iconic brands, the most successful brands, this is how they market.
0: That's so true. I never thought about it like that. And then, you know, like you said, when you do connect on that level and you build yourself that brand, it's like, well, everybody knows what Nike sells. And like you said, not because they advertise it, but just because they've made that connection and made their brand that strong already.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it, and, you know, Nike obviously is uh, is B2C, but, but on the B2B side, you know, Google actually ran a study with the corporate executive board and found that Emotional marketing is twice as effective as marketing that's not in a specifically for B2B, you know, so, um, you know, you look at Intel, and they're very much a B2B company through and through and, you know, it's hard to find a company that's more technologically advanced than Intel, yet their marketing is really fun and and interesting and engaging, and they try and make it, it very accessible. You know, they, until you're deep into the sales process where, yeah, they're explaining their technology. When they're, when you're at the top of the funnel with them, they're trying to attract your attention and they're trying to engage with you for the first time. They're very, you know, fun and engaging and interesting and and just really trying to captivate you. Um, And so they're a great example of a B2B marketer. That, that has totally nailed it in terms of engaging with their audience on a subconscious level before starting to dive into the details of technical uh, superiority or anything like that.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Kind of building off of that, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about like how specifically you think you use that at Stratabee.
1: Sure, sure. So um, I would say that we divide it into two areas. So there's neuroscience and we apply neuroscience to our marketing. And then there's also behavioral science, and we apply that very differently. So on the neuroscientific side, it's more upstream, where we are saying, look, uh, you know, the way that the human brain is hardwired is it loves surprise. It, it, in fact, it, it loves surprise even more than what it loves, which is you know kind of crazy to think about. Um, but but our, our the neuroscientist um, Gregory Burns um, uh, down at Emory. Uh, with with a team of neuroscientists studied this and found that that we love being surprised. And if you think about it, you know, think about any book that you've read, and you probably love the books that you love because they surprised you. You know, it was engaging and surprising. You weren't expecting what was coming next. Uh, if it was all predictable, you know, it's it's just not as fun. It's just not as interesting, and and you you know, your brain starts to tune out. So our brains are actually prediction engines. Think of it like that, because you know. Back back when, when, you know, we were living in caves, we had to fight for survival. And so there's part of the, the brain, it's called the old brain, um, that is simply fight or flight and it's looking at, okay, is this safe? Should I, you know, should, do I need to pay attention to it or is this dangerous and do I need to flee? And the interesting thing is, and people don't realize this today, every piece of information that enters your brain first passes through that gateway of the old brain everything and so if your brain is saying oh this is safe yeah in fact it's boring i don't need to pay attention to it right it will dismiss it because we're dealing with information overload right and so the brain is desperately trying to find things to ignore It is proactively trying to find information that you're feeding it that it can ignore. Otherwise we would go crazy as as human beings, right? We can't possibly process all the data that's entering our our eyes and our our brains, right? And so, um, you know, it's really interesting to see that those who can deviate from what's expected, those who can deviate from a traditional pattern, those who can surprise their audience, you know, they tend to do well with their marketing or with their campaign or, you know, whatever it is, even in a conversation, um, you know, you probably weren't expecting me to talk about the difference between, you know, choosing salmon versus meatloaf for dinner, right? So that probably surprised you a little bit and it makes it a little bit more interesting, right? And so people love this, that, you know, they're hardwired, their brain is hardwired to love surprise. However, you look at B2B marketing, how many B2B marketers are focused on deviation and surprise? I'm telling you, not that many. They're, you know, they are looking for best practices. And what I can tell you about best practices is, okay, so you're looking to be like everyone else, <laughs> you know, you're, you're looking to be a, a copycat brand. Great. Good luck with that. So, so, you, you know, you have to follow brain science you have to follow, you know, how does the, how's the brain hardwired in order to understand how to kind of do what I call marketing jujitsu around your competition, right? And you're going to be more effective in connecting with your audience and that's all based on how the brain is constructed. Now on the behavioral science side is very different for us and it's much more hands on looking at actual data. Uh, and so for any website that we're, we're dealing with uh, what we'll do is we'll apply behavioral analytics and that, that could be from companies like decibel or Mouseflow, Hotjar, full story. There are lots of applications out there. They're all fantastic, but What they do is they reveal what people are actually doing on the site. So with Google Analytics, what you see is how they got there, right? And you might see which pages they went to, how much time they spent on the page. But you can't really see, you know, how was the experience itself? Was it a great experience or were they frustrated? Were there any points of friction, right? And with behavioral analytics, you see all of that. And so, for example, you know, you can get a friction score and see which pages are causing the most friction in your site. You know, jump right to those pages that are causing the most friction and diagnose inside of the behavioral analytics what's causing that friction. Um, for example, there's something called rage clicking, where people think that something is is clickable and they try clicking it, but it's not. <laughs> and and being humans, what what do they do? They keep clicking it <laughs> over and over and over, thinking that something else is going to happen. It's a get really really frustrated and that's called rage clicking and that that happens uh and so it's it's you know if that's happening in your website it's good to identify that and get rid of that experience for your site visitors because it it causes site abandonment it causes them to leave your site you know other things are how far down the page are they scrolling where are they clicking where are they hovering where's their attention so uh an example of of applying this is uh one of our clients was you know, proud of the number of page views that they were getting to their product index page, and uh, you know their product is not cheap. They're B two B enterprise software, and so if someone's going to purchase their software, they pretty much have to go to their product page. They have to. They have to understand what they're buying, and so we applied the behavioral analytics to their site. We took a look at their their product index page, and within their their product suite, they have three software components, and. So obviously, if you're gonna purchase the suite, you're, you're gonna to wanna to know about all three components. And what we found was 47% of the people who are visiting the page. So, in other words, almost half of the people visiting the page never looked beyond the first component. So, in other words, they never knew about the other two components, which make up two thirds of their software. And so we pointed this out to them you know, look, page views mean nothing here because we can ignore half of, of the visits to this page. So they're not even seeing the majority of what you're offering in your software so clearly these are not going to turn into customers you're losing them this page is a failure right because you're automatically at the starting line not connecting with 50 percent of your audience and so you know rearrange some of the things on the page rearrange some of the things in their top nav to make all three components of their software more accessible um and uh you know all the metrics went up And so, you know, you have to look into the data to see what is the experience on the page. Are they really seeing what you want them to see? Are they clicking where you want them to click? And then learning is it a great experience for them? Are they, you know, getting all of their questions answered? And then, um, if not, it gives you a lot of opportunity to optimize the page. And then, further to that, sorry, I'm going on and on and on here, but. With behavioral analytics, another thing that we look at is actual videos. These are recordings of your site visitors. So this is not in a test lab, this is not in a focus group. These are your actual site visitors, and we will look at recordings of all of the you know the visitors to the site, and we'll see what they're doing, what their experience is. And you know, we can't see their faces or anything like that, that'd be super creepy. Um, but you know, we can see what's happening on the screen, right? And It's really interesting. So so, uh, one of the sites uh, we're working on, we noticed that people were going through a loan application wizard. Okay, this is for a financial services uh, website where people can apply for loans, uh, whether it's an auto loan or a personal loan, a student loan. And in the wizard, we thought we had created a really great experience. You know, for, for certain loans, you have to put in your birthday. And so we set up this this widget where a calendar would pop up and all you have to do is pick a date. Super easy, right? There's nothing easier than that. But by looking at the videos, what we found was that everyone was ignoring, not everyone, but, but you know, there, there was, a, I would say at least, mm, at least 20% of the, the visitors were ignoring that and were instead trying to manually add their birthday. And they were getting frustrated because they couldn't do it. And we were like, why? Why would you want to manually enter it when you could just one click, have your birthday entered. And, but that we never would have known that with Google Analytics. We never would have known that even with behavioral analytics like click mapping or heat mapping or scroll mapping. We needed to see the actual videos, to see the experience, and see exactly what was causing this frustration. And so no problem. The next day, we went in and we adjusted it to allow them to enter their birthday any which way they wanted. If they want to do it manually, you can do it in any format you want. If you want to you know use the widget fantastic but we we put no limitations on it problem solved and now the conversion rate went way up so you know without behavioral analytics without these video recordings so that you can see the actual digital body language of your site visitors it's very difficult to have a high performance website and to maximize that performance you need these insights
0: that's definitely true. And it's so interesting. Some of the stuff you're talking about is making me die laughing over here because <laughs> you know, the rage clicking, I was like, I have definitely done that. You just keep hitting the mouse harder thinking it's gonna work. Right. You...
1: lots of people do it. Lots yeah, same, do with it.
0: The, same with the birthday thing. Like I've definitely come across sites where it's like, I try to do the opposite of what they have put there and then I get frustrated. And then I, it's just, it's so funny to think about like all this stuff is so applicable in so many ways. But it's also making me think, though, like, I feel like, you know, hearing this stuff, as you talk about it's common knowledge, it seems like just such a simple fix. But like you said, you need these behavioral analytics to really see these things. Otherwise, you would never know. So my question to you is, you know, with this being like so evident that you need these behavioral analytics or to look at the neuroscience subconscious stuff like that, why do you think that there's still so many people, so many companies not using it?
1: So I think there are several answers. One, there's still a lot of marketers that don't, don't know that this exists, uh, especially on the behavioral analytics side, you know, what, you know we talk, we're an agency, we talk with lots of different companies all the time, and it's surprising just how many don't even know that this, this is available to them. Um, and others, they know that it's available. We, we've even uh, run across companies that have bought the software, and just never use it <laughs> you know, they, they have this gigantic marketing tech stack and you know there are a lot of pieces of software that they just never get around to or they checked it once or they checked it six months ago and then just know you know they never put it on a regular um, basis whereas you know at, at strategy this is inherently involved in any website that we're doing you know we're, we're constantly looking at this we're looking at it every single month um, and every single quarter and just making it part of our Poor process, uh, and so I, I think that that's part of the problem. The other problem is there in again going back to the the B two B marketing world, too many organizations are still stuck in a paradigm where they just have to explain what it is that their service is. Right? You see this type of dictionary marketing all the time. Um, you know, you go to a website uh, and you know, the first thing you see is, you know, we're, you know, we do CRM software or we do management consulting, maybe, maybe not in that specific language, but essentially that's what they're saying. You know, they're, they're just putting the messaging across of what it is they do rather than what you get out of it. Well, you know, how does it transform your business? Right. Um, And so that's often what we do is, you know, what we'll, we'll talk to them about, what they're doing today, if they're if they're doing dictionary marketing today, and they're very worried that they have to communicate what it is that they're selling, you know, we kind of explain to them that look, no, 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 you know, the most important thing that, that you need to do is explain what's in it for them. That's all they care about. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. They care about their business, right? They care about their own customers. That's what they care about. And so you're going to resonate more deeply if you simply engage with them and communicate with them in a way that directs them towards the results, right? Like the outcomes, what's gonna happen if you work with us, if you buy our software, if you buy our technology, if you hire us for our services, what are the results? Um, You know, I I, I had a um, CEO of a a company call and say, hey, we need um, a website redesign. And I said, totally cool, we do site redesigns all the time. But But I said, okay, but can you just, you know, let's take a step back because actually, actually his, his question to me was, so, so how do we get started? Like, do I tell you what pages we want in the website? And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't tell us what pages you want in the website. I could care less what pages you want on the website. What I care about is where your business needs to be 12 months from now. That's what I care about. And that will dictate what pages you need in your website. Right? It all starts with the outcomes. Like, I don't even want to know what your website needs to achieve. I need to know what your business needs to achieve right? You launch the website 12 months from then, what does your business look like? How has it transformed? Paint that picture for me, right? Or we'll discuss it and figure it out together. That's fine. But that's the starting line. And then we can figure out what your website needs to be in order to achieve that. And so, you know, there are just a lot of CEOs or a lot of marketers who don't think like that. They think in terms of, you know, it's just a very dictionary mentality. I need a website, what pages, Should we create
0: (laughs) you know yeah no that makes a lot of sense and i this is like a very random comparison but this just made me think um you know how you were saying you want the focus to be on what you're providing for the customer like they don't care about anything other than what am i going to get out of this and it made me think about um some one time somebody gave me tips for like to fix up my resume and he said in the little descriptions you want it to be like your outcome what you did for that company what you did when you were interning there so that they can see like that's what you're going to bring to them rather than like well i learned this this and this it's like no i did this for that company so then they know what you're bringing to the table and it's just funny to think about like i guess in a sense your resume you are that's a one page marketing you know here i am so it's kind of cool to think about that too
1: yeah absolutely it's very similar yeah
0: Um, So before we're out of time, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book. I guess I first want to know what inspired you to write Rethink Your Marketing and who initially your target audience was.
1: Right. So um, I've wanted to write a book for uh, a long time. I love writing and I I write all the time, whether it's for the strategy blog, whether it's for articles, you know, you know, I've been published in chiefmarketer.com and uh, CNN.com and CMO.com marketingprofs.com. Um, so I just, I just love writing and, um, I love reading marketing books. And so I I just felt for a long time that I wanted to write one. And so that, so then, um, when I started writing it, um, this was, you know, several years ago and back at that time, we were focused both on B2B and B2C. And so it was really directed at any mid-sized marketing organization at that time. Now we're 100% focused on B2B. And so I'm in the process of writing a new book that will be exclusively for B2B marketers. But the the initial book, Rethink Your Marketing, was was, uh, applicable for both B2B and B2C, maybe not necessarily for um, uh, a a multi-billion dollar company. It was more meant for mid-sized companies. Let's say that you're $10 million in revenue or Fifty million or five hundred million. It was more for those types of organizations where, um, you know, you're not as mature, you're not, uh, you know, you don't have an army of marketers, um, but you can still achieve exponential growth through these different strategies.
0: Gotcha. That's really cool. And then I, that just made me curious. What do you think is going to be like the main difference from the last one to the new one that only focuses on B two B?
1: So uh, the first one was looking at seven different strategies, uh, very high-level strategies of how you can unleash growth for your business. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, one was talking about how you can rethink your audience, who your ideal audience is, to unleash growth. And uh, in a prior life, I, I was at a company that um, really, really, you know, would service anyone. Uh, it was a, it was a. A localization firm where you know it didn't matter what industry you were in, it, you know, we, we were happy to to service you, and it didn't matter what 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 budget you had. Like, you know, literally we would do projects for a hundred dollars and we would do projects for three hundred thousand dollars. So to me, that made no sense. <laughs> that made absolutely no sense. And and we needed to rethink the audience to figure out you know how we can be more profitable and literally get rid of the the $100, the $1,000, the $10,000 clients and only focus on the $100,000, $300,000 clients. And so um, I worked with uh, the executive team there and the founder, and we said, okay, we're only going to go after software companies because they, you know, consistently have six figure projects and their software, you know, they come out with new versions of their software every year. So this is a repeat cycle for them Uh, and we can be working with them across products, across versions for years and years. And so we literally fired 50% of our clients. We fired them. We just said, sorry, we're not working with you here, you know, go to this agency or that agency, but we're not working with you anymore. Um, And we focused only on the software companies and we grew by 250% immediately. Um, and, the, the, and then the founders sold the business for a multiple of annual revenue. I mean, it was a perfect scenario. It was, was we've really unleashed growth very quickly. Um, and it, it, I think that it worked out really well. And so that, that's, you know, that's, that's just one example from, from Rethink Your Marketing. You know, another example is, you know, it's more conceptual. So you look at any business and, you know, every business, you can see advice on LinkedIn every single day you know streaming through your feed of do you have to do this to be successful you have to do that to be successful but here's the key is at a foundational level you actually need to be doing two things to to unleash new growth with your business yes you, you can tinker around the edges you can do this you can do that you, you know any hack that you do fine you know that that might have an incremental impact but if you want to exponentially grow this is what you need to do You need to see your business as your business of today, but then you also need to spend just as much time on your business of tomorrow. Where are you going to be 12 months from now, two years from now, three years from now? Because if you're that focused on innovation and bringing about where you're going to be 12 months from now, 24 months from now, I guarantee you, your competition is not, right? And so it's a way to ensure strategic advantage in the future and accelerated growth. And if you look at any organization any company that is massively successful it's a multi-billion dollar organization today you'll see an evolution of growth where they started out as one thing and then they've evolved to become something completely different um it, you know you look at the the tech consulting company ypro they're an eight billion dollar a year company they're you know they're they're a technology leader right they're a global company uh, a leader in the consulting space they, they started out on day one selling vegetable oil. <laughs> so, and I can give you case after case after case of this, you know, um, this it, it's a common pattern for the, you know, the most successful companies in the world, they all start out doing one thing and then they evolve and they evolve and they evolve and it involves a lot of innovation. And so that's what I talk about in rethink your marketing is, you know, beyond the hacks that you're gonna to do today, there's more fundamental way to, to um, really unleash growth. And and that's the way. And, and with the new book, it's very focused on lead generation. So it's B2B lead generation where it's looking at different ways to grow your leads for a B2B organization today. And so, you know, we look at things like um, uh, ABM, so account-based marketing, we look at SEO, we look at content, we look at different forms of marketing specifically to increase B2B leads. So it's a you know it's a different focus, uh it's a more narrow focus than the original book.
0: Gotcha. That sounds super interesting. I'm gonna have to give it a look. <laughs> do, you <laughs> <Please> have, do. <laughs>
1: do
0: you have uh an estimated date for when you think it'll be out on the market?
1: Yes. So uh by October 1st the new book will be
0: live and available that is awesome i'll definitely be on the lookout for it (laughs) cool well i'll be happy to send you a copy (laughs) sounds good i uh i could ask you like a million more questions i we might have to set up another call because i have like a million more but i want to be conscious of your time today um so i want to say thank you so much for joining me today and for anybody who ends up listening to this episode that might want to connect with you further or learn more about their work where's the best place for them to find you
1: Sure. So our agency is StrataBeat and you can go to our website. at stratabeat.com. And if you want to connect with me, a good place is Twitter. So it's just twitter.com slash Tom Shapiro is my handle. Um, And yeah, certainly feel free to reach out.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Caitlin.